0: Our reading today is from the Book of Prophets, the Prophet Jonah, page 929 in the Bibles. Jonah flees from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. This is the word of the Lord. Happy New Year. I'm Neil, the Associate Vicar here at St. Jude's, and I get to open up this sermon series on the book of Jonah. So there's quite a lot of background stuff this morning as we dive into this book uh, of Jonah. And it's a story that we all know, isn't it? We all know what happens in Jonah, but it's it's just such a great book and it really speaks to us in these days. So we're really looking forward uh, to finding Jonah. And the first thing we need to do is find Jonah. A Bible, so find a Bible in front of you. I need to find a Bible too because I've come up without one. Um, Find a Bible, and it's on page 928 and 929 in our church Bibles. Uh, If you're at home, that's not going to help you, Uh, but it's one. Jonah is one of the minor prophets, so you go towards the back of the Old Testament, and uh, you go past. Hosea and Joel and Amos, you get to Obadiah and then Jonah is just after Obadiah, page 928, page 929. It's just two pages, two pages of our Bible, just four chapters. It's a story that we can all get our heads around, but it's a carefully written story. And it's an important story. It's a faith story. It's a faith story that's shared. Jonah appears in the Quran. He has his a whole chapter of the Quran is named after Jonah. And uh, this story is a story that the faiths share. So as we start, we need to see that it's been carefully written. That the words are chosen and that it's precisely written. And there's a symmetry in the storytelling. There are two halves to this story of Jonah. Chapters one and two, Jonah flees from his mission. Chapters three and four, Jonah fulfills his mission. Chapter one and two are about the salvation from the storm. And chapters three and four are about salvation for the city of Nineveh. So we have this book that's put together in a way that will help us to see who God is. And the thing when we get to the book of Jonah, the big thing before we go any further, is to talk about the whale, isn't it, and the fish. Do we believe in the fish? Do we believe in the whale? Is it a real whale or is it just a picture of God's mercy and salvation? And the first thing to say is that the fish is not the focus of the book. He or she appears in just three verses of these four chapters. So let's not get too hung up on the whale. The second thing to say is that God, it says, God provided a huge fish to swallow up Jonah. God provided. And if we believe in a God who provides a way for the people of Israel through the, through the Red Sea to escape from Egypt, if we believe in a God who sent fire down from heaven to burn up the sacrifice of Elijah in front of all the prophets of Baal. If we believe in a God who provides those things, then he could, if he wanted, provide a great fish for Jonah to save him. And in the end, it's up to you to choose whether you think this is a real physical fish that you could prod and poke with your finger if you've been there at that point or whether this is a part of the story of God's salvation either way this story is important and God's salvation is important and what I want to say is we just finish this bit is that this is a story that Jesus used in his teaching twice in Matthew's gospel Jesus refers to Jonah and the sign of Jonah Because Jesus knew that he would spend time, three days, that was the sign of Jonah, three days Jonah spent in the belly of the whale, three days Jesus would spend in the darkness of the tomb. And Jesus would preach salvation to the people just as Jonah preaches salvation to Nineveh. And in Nineveh, they respond when Jesus came. Did they respond? It's up to us to decide whether to respond. And this is a story that Jesus uses. It's a story that makes sense to us today. Let's not get hung up on the whale. Okay, so what about the context of the writing? If you look at the pages on either side of the book of Jonah, you'll see that the writing is a lot more spaced out because the minor prophets are mostly about prophecy. The book of Jonah has one sentence of prophecy in the four chapters. And if you look at it, it's much more densely written on the page than the prophecies around it, which tells us that it is a story. It's a story that engages us. It's a story that draws us in. It's a story that has so much to teach us. It is a story. And in some of the translations, if you look, in the NRSV and some of the other translations, the book of Jonah starts with the word now. And, uh, oh, I had a lovely picture of Jonah and the whale. Sorry, I missed that one. Look at that. I think that's a lovely picture of Jonah and the whale. Who knows whether he was in that whale's tummy or not, but he, let's, let's remember, this is a story. And in many translations, it starts with the word now. And the word now in Hebrew is a bit like there was a time. It tells us that now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. That now tells us that we're dealing with a story. It's a story, a narrative. And while Jonah is a prophet, the words of prophecy are limited. The book teaches us about God and it beckons us to dwell in this Immense mercy that God has. We just talked about, sung about, your mercy is running after me. Your goodness is running after me. This is what Jonah is about. God's mercy running after Jonah and running after the people of Nineveh. And we need to see that this story is set firmly in history. In uh, the Old Testament, in the books of history in the Old Testament, Jonah appears. If you want to turn to page 384, so that's a way back in the Old Testament, in the history books, in 2 Kings, chapter 14, page 384, at the top of that page, talks about Jeroboam the second the king of Israel and it says in the 15th year of Amaziah son of Joash king of Judah because there were two kingdoms at this time Judah and Israel Jeroboam the son of Jehoash king of Israel became king in Samaria and he reigned for 41 years he did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam son of Nebat which he had caused Israel to commit Jeroboam's son of Nebat was the first king, Jeroboam, and he'd caused the split between Israel and Judah. He, Jeroboam II, was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebohamath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet of Gath-Hepha. So Jonah the prophet was a prophet for King Jeroboam and King Jeroboam we know reigned from about uh, 780 BC to 740 BC. So about for 40 years, 700 or so years before Jesus was born. God spoke through Jonah to this king who was an evil king but he restored the boundaries of Israel. So through Jonah's words to this evil king, Israel has a time of security and peace when their boundaries are restored. Jonah was likely to be the chief prophet. The chief prophet is the one that gets mentioned, isn't he? And he's at the court of the king with authority and power. It's likely to be a position with some comfort and privilege, isn't it? If you're the top prophet for the king. And we see that he comes from gath Hefer, and that's a little town just northeast of Nazareth. So that still exists. You can go and visit it if you want to, uh, if you were going over that way. So Jonah is a person in history. And some people will say, well, this is all just a story. It's all made up. It's all fairy tale. Well, he's here in the books of the history. Let's not think that this is all just made up. He's here. He's living a life amongst the people of Israel, a a privileged life, a life that is good. And he's there at a time when they're re-establishing their borders. In today's parlance, you could say they're taking back control. They're establishing their borders and making sure that Israel has an identity that is protected and privileged. But he's living this life in the comfort of the court of the king, And the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And the word of the Lord says, Go and preach to the great city of Nineveh, because its wickedness has come before me. Now Nineveh, this is an artist's impression of what Nineveh might have looked like. Nineveh is the greatest city of the world in Jonah's time. It had over 100,000 people, it was a huge city, vast in its size, and it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. They were the big superpower at that time. And if you want to find Nineveh today, you have to go to Iraq and northern Iraq, and it's the, the ruins of Nineveh are just across the river from the city of Mosul, where there was Uh, gun battles to get rid of ISIS at the end of their time in power in Iraq. So just across from Mosul, there are, are the ruins of Nineveh. It was the greatest city in the world. And the key feature of the Assyrian Empire was that the rulers were ruthless and brutal. That was why they were the superpower. In their palaces... They created freezes of the different ways in which they killed and tortured their enemies. That was the sort of people they were. This was not a time when human rights were at the top of the agenda. This was not a time when there was an empire built on compassion and kindness. These people built their whole empire on cruelty and violence. This was the people that Jonah was told to go and speak to. This was the great city that he was to change their mind. The whole nations around Israel had been wiped out of existence by Assyria. Others were kept under fierce control and to survive Israel at this point in history were paying a ransom, a tribute to Assyria to keep them off of their backs. And it was only a matter of time before Israel came up on the who are we going to invade next agenda for Assyria. And in 722 BC, so about 30 years after this story of Jonah, Assyria come and they do invade and conquer Israel completely. But now the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Jonah, the son of Amittai. And tells Jonah to go to the heart of an evil empire and speak God's words of truth. And the only sensible reason that God would ask Jonah to do this is if he wants the people of Nineveh to repent. And we know that that is what happens. So Jonah's being asked to go to the enemies of Israel. Their deepest, darkest enemies. He's going to, He's got to go to them and tell them that God is cross with them and he wants them to repent and if they do, they will be saved. Do you see that in this period when Israel's struggling to survive, it's defending its borders, it's just about hanging on by its fingernails, Jonah's being asked to go to the opposition, to the enemies, to the worst people in the world and offer them something of God's mercy. So we can feel a little bit of sympathy for Jonah, can't we? Imagine if the word of the Lord came to you and said, pack up your bags, get on a plane, go to Afghanistan, because I want you to tell the Taliban that they're naughty and they're wicked and they've got to stop doing what what they're doing. You've got to get out of the plane, walk into the square in the middle of Kabul and tell them that God is cross with them and they need to stop doing it. I think I would be pretty scared if God told me to do that. Jonah was used to God's word, blessing God's people, keeping them secure and strong. And now he has to speak this word of salvation to Israel's enemies. We can assume that, God, that Jonah usually followed what God wanted him to do. But on this occasion, the prophet from Gath-hepher took the opposite course. Nineveh was up to the east and Jonah went west. Nineveh was along dusty roads. Jonah went down to a port by the sea. Jonah ran from God's presence as quickly as he could. Jonah's life has been defined by his relationship with God by his calling as a prophet. And now Jonah completely denies that relationship, that vocation, that calling. And this is why this series is titled, has the title, The Prodigal Prophet, because Jonah runs away from the father who loves him. Just as in Jesus' story, there are two sons involved aren't they the first son the younger son is the one we usually identify with the one who leaves the father and runs off to a foreign land but in the symmetry of uh, the book of Jonah you've got both of the sons represented in the first two chapters Jonah's like the younger son running away from God's goodness because he doesn't want to do what God is asking him in chapters 3 and 4 Jonah resents God's mercy on the city of Nineveh, just like the older son resents God's mercy when the prodigal, the father's mercy, when the prodigal returns. Jonah runs from God's grace, but God is always a step ahead of him. Jonah hates the idea of God's mercy being open to the murderous Assyrians, but God's plans will not be thwarted. Jonah has a calling and a vocation and God is not going to let him go. So what does this passage say to us today? Well, one of the things is, are we too concerned about our safety and security? And I don't think God is going to challenge any of us to get on a plane and go somewhere really dangerous, but he might just challenge us to speak his word into our culture and context today. And so the question for us is, how much do we trust and believe in God's plan for our community? This week, I was reading a report on the way that the Church of England responded to the COVID pandemic, And it was a really critical report. It said all that the church did was close up the church buildings and they stopped meeting and they protected themselves. They protected the people, but they failed to do anything. Well, um, that was one way of looking at it. I don't think that's totally fair. I don't think here at St. Jude's we did that because we went on feeding people through Friday Fridge and reaching out. And in fact, we increased the frequency of doing that. We weren't afraid to keep in contact with people. And our pastoral team made lots of phone calls and visits, taking shopping and collecting prescriptions. Our young people met online and we went to the nursery and the school. So I don't think it's totally fair, but did it perhaps seem that way to the world around us? We need to be ready to listen to God's calling to us Because there's always that tendency to run and hide when things get tough. But we need to be open to what God says to us. What he expects of us. Because we are an outpost of his kingdom. We may not always feel as brave as we think we should be. But we need to be brave enough to go to that person that we know might be having a tough time. And offer a prayer or just a listening ear to help them to get through those dark days. We need to be brave enough to perhaps speak about the Alpha Course to someone who we know who might be searching and might just need to come on an Alpha Course to find their way through. We need to trust God and we need to be open to what he says to us. That's what this first part of this story about Jonah is about isn't it Jonah running away from God because he doesn't trust God I was reading a book uh, this week about John's gospel and it said the basic sin indicated in the gospel of John is a lack of faith trust or belief inevitably involving a lack of love the desire of God is for a love inseparable from trust that our love of God leads us to trust him in all things. See, Jonah listened to that voice that said, did God really say that? That question that goes back to the beginning of time in the Garden of Genesis, did God really say that? Does God really love you? Does God really want what's good for you? That was the voice that Jonah listened to. But we've spoken, haven't we? We've sung about God's goodness and God's mercy. He's running after us. Just as he runs after Jonah, who's running away. God is running after us. The amazing story of Jonah shows us that our God is a God of surprises. He will lead us out to unexpected places and unexpected uh, people. God can't be, he won't be limited by our ideas and our expectations because his mercy and his grace are so much wider and bigger than anything that we can ever imagine. There's no one beyond that love that God has for his world. No one beyond that love. What this book of Jonah underlines more than anything else is that at the heart of the human problem is a problem with the human heart someone cleverer than me thought that up at the heart of the human problem is a problem of the human heart because it's our love who we love do we love ourselves and our safety and our security more than we love God and this world that he created and doing his will if we love God completely we can trust in him completely with all of our lives And being within God's will is the safest place for us ever to be. But for Jonah and for us, we need to see that we are saved by God's grace. And that's what's going to happen next in this story, isn't it? Jonah's going to be saved by God's grace. We need to see that we are saved by God's grace before we go out and offer that saving grace to those around us. Until we see ourselves as unsavable sinners We're not ready to be used by God. But once we do, once we know his love and his mercy, his grace and his peace, once we know that in ourselves, once our hearts are changed by his love at work in us, then we've got something to offer this world around us. God is good. His goodness and his mercy are coming after us. And we need to share that goodness and mercy with those around us. That's what we're going to be thinking about this term. Amen. Let's just stand and uh, let's just spend a moment thinking about all of that. Whatever was useful for you, let that settle in your hearts. And I wonder if, if, if you would, if you might take a hand and place it on your heart as we just spend a moment in prayer. Lord, we know that your goodness and your mercy are running after us. We know that you are the one who has the best plans for each one of us. So Lord, help us to trust and believe in you. Help us to have faith in your goodness. Help us to live in your love. And help us to bring our praise to you, the King of heaven. Help us to praise you, Lord, in our lives, in our relationships, in the way that we walk through this world. Help people to see you through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to sing our final hymn. Praise, praise, praise.